Well, good morning, one and all. Good to see you. You okay? Oh, good. Excellent. We are looking at the Boulders series. Have all of you here heard at least one part of the Boulders series? Yes, you all have. Like, so has anyone not heard any of the Boulder series? For you, I will go through this. I don't mind. I'll do it just for you. So we have been looking at the subject of boulders based loosely on this book. In fact, we had a couple of people who were at a conference this last week where Simon Holly was speaking and they thought, Simon Holly, I know that name. I know that name. And then they saw the book cover and they went, I know that book cover. I know that book cover. And they bought two copies. So that's excellent. We are planning, hopefully, on having some copies at the back to save you the incredible aggro that we know it is to open up the Amazon app, type in sustainable power, and then get it ordered. So we're hoping to get a few so that people can read them. The book is based on this premise. Jesus said this, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, rivers of living water will flow. Talking of the Holy Spirit. And he says, if the Holy Spirit isn't flowing, second premise, then the reason must be because there are things in the way, something he calls boulders. So we've looked at a few of these boulders already. Self-reliance, fear, judgment. We still have unbelief, disappointment and offence to come. Should have been unbelief today because we did control last week. But having done control last week, I spent some time praying and I just didn't feel any peace to move on. I felt like God said, no, we need to go again at the control, at the control boulder. Um, So that's exactly what we're doing. So God and I did have a conversation saying, God, how do we do this talk again without doing this talk again? So uh, this is how you do it, by the way. As far as I know, this is the best I got. So a very quick summary of last week. This is something we came to in the end. The need to be in control is a boulder that if we can remove it, will let rivers of living water flow. We touched on the difference of being in control versus being controlling and discovered that the Holy Spirit cannot be controlled, as in steered, but like border force, you can deny him the right to work. Does anyone here ever watch border force? Yeah, okay. Okay, that's excellent. We also look briefly at the story of me encountering the Holy Spirit at Springbank Holiday Celebration, at the Noel Richards gig, and Great Cornard Christian Fellowship. In fact, afterwards... Paul Kirsch came up to me and he said, that Springbank holiday celebration, I was there. Like, wow, no way, all those years ago. And it was many years ago. And we identified really the main reason for wanting to be in control generally from people is fear. Speaking for myself, I think I probably don't see and encounter and feel more of the Holy Spirit in my life mainly because of fear. I would say fear is probably the main thing. It manifests as control, but actually probably deep down, there probably is still some fear of that sort of slightly feeling out of control. Fair rides, I'm really not a big fair ride person. I don't really like that. I like being thrown around sort of thing. Like I like quad biking, that sort of thing, but I know I'm gonna get thrown around because I'm the one yanking the steering wheel around or the handlebars or whatever. I don't really like fair rides. I don't like the moment that bar comes down, you think I'm now stuck on here and this next 90 seconds is going to be hell. I'm not really very big on the moment that they shut the plane doors. 
because I know that that's the point at which I don't have any choice anymore. I mean, like I'm going to sprint off down the tarmac or something. But anyway, I know that that's the moment where I have lost control. I am now going to be going up in the air and landing, hopefully, where we planned to land. I once tried, well, a few times actually, I took school kids away to an adventure place and we did some abseiling, only I didn't do the abseiling because heights are really not my friend either. And so I determined to work on this. So the guy tried to get me, one of the instructors, they all call you sir, just to make you feel a bit better. Come on, sir, what's going to be your target? He said, why don't you like abseiling? I said, well, it's not really the abseiling, it's the heights. I don't like heights. And he said, I don't think it's heights you don't like. I think it's, I think it's falling that you don't like. Well, to me, they kind of amount to the same thing. But anyway, so he said, I can assure you these ropes will not let you fall. And, and I had a target, and my target was to, this, to climb up this tower inside, up ladders, and to at least stick my head out the top. And then I very gingerly and very slowly went back down. But what I did manage to do was, while I was at... I took kids away a few times. Uh, one of the times, I decided, right, this time, I am going to get 40 foot up, but I'm going to do it by climbing a wall. Like a climbing wall, not just a random wall. So we did exactly that. Obviously, you get all harnessed up. And the thing was, for me, I, f I felt okay that because I was in control. Because I could then choose how high I went up. And the guy said to me, said, you climb until you stop, until you can't climb anymore, or you, you know, you've had enough. And, and for those, I won't do it because it might, oh, no, I can do it if I do this. And you do this, like that, and they lower you back down. You lean away from the wall so you don't smack your face on all the bits sticking out of the climbing wall, and you effectively abseil down. And I did this. Um, helped very much by the fact that Nick was on the wall next to me, and a bit of healthy competition goes a long way. So I was first to the top, and I did get 40... F I was. Uh... <laughs> And I did get, I, I really was. <laughs> we can talk about this later. We can talk about this later. But anyway, so was. The point was, I think it's because I felt like I was in control. Abseiling this, I know in theory, people say, well, you feed the rope through at your own pace. And like, you're hanging off the side of a wall. That's not really control, is it? So anyway, all that to say, it's often a fear that drives our desire to control. We talked a little bit about that last week, and I asked God, how, where do we go from where we were last week? How do we hit control again? And God took me to what I felt was a really unusual verse that I don't think I've ever taught on this verse in terms of fear and control. But anyway, we're going for it because it's absolutely amazing. And this is from the book of Romans, chapter 8. So this is Paul who was writing to the church uh, in Rome. So it's those sorts of Romans. And this is chapter 8. This is Paul speaking to people who have given their yes to Jesus, and he says, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit, if you have the Spirit of God living in you, which if you've ever said your yes to Jesus and said, please, I want to be born again. I want to live for you. I want to say yes to you. That's what's happened. So he says, Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. 
Now note, that is the first time in this little passage that this bit has been said. So what he's basically saying is, in theory, we are bound to decay, but the Holy Spirit is now alive in us and therefore is leading a march in the other direction to bring us life. So the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. So it's difficult to comprehend, but there was a moment when Jesus was dead. Dead, dead, dead. Physically, definitely dead. And laid in a tomb, dead. Okay? And something happened at some point that meant Jesus came back to life. Life came back into that body. The wounds healed up enough to at least enable him to live, etc., physically live. The power that was necessary to bring Jesus back from the dead, right now, if you've said you're yes to Jesus, is living on the inside of you. That same power that brought Jesus back to life is right now on the inside of you, if you've ever said yes to Jesus. Exactly the same power of the Holy Spirit. So, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. This is carrying on. I just left a tiny bit out. So, you haven't received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. That Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, the same Spirit that brought Jesus back from the dead, is living on the inside of us right now and does not bring fear. Instead, as we read on, we discover that instead it brings sonship. So Paul is contrasting fear and sonship. Instead, you receive God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him dad. Abba, father. No one really says father these days, not so much anyway. Dad, papa. So what Paul is saying is that Holy Spirit power that brought Jesus back from the dead is living on the inside of you. And far from bringing fear, inducing fear, it's actually confirming your sonship, daughtership, childship, sonship. It's written as sonship in here. Sons had different rights to daughters. I know. What would they say these days? But that's just the way it was at the time. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Huh? It means that we, yes, have been born again, if you said yes to Jesus, from the inside out. And one of the main works of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us is to resonate with our spirit. You're a son. You're a son. You're a son. You're a son all the time. You're a son. You're a son. You're a son of the creator of the universe. You're a son of the king. You are not what people say of you. You are what I say of you. So you might have been believing all kinds of lies about you, yourself, your entire life, about you not being adequate. Of you being less than enough. Of you being too fat, too thin, too ginger, too short, too whatever. Anything. You're too much of a screw-up. You've had too many addictions. Too much of this, that, and the other. That you're a mess. You're a letdown. You're a disappointment. It's just not what God says of you. It's not true. It's not what he thinks of you. Since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. 
For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So this is the point. Having chosen you, he called you to come to him and having called you, he gave you right standing with himself. And having given you right standing, he has given you his glory. This is incredible news. In the Old Testament, if you go back through the Old Testament, the beginning of the Bible, you come across this guy, Moses. He was an incredible man, Moses was, and really was a man after God's heart. He really did his best to lead a pretty messy bunch of people, millions of them by this stage. And he said he wanted to see God's glory. And God said, you won't be able to see my face and live. So what I'm going to do is if you stand in this cle- the cleft of this rock, I'm going to make all my glory pass in front of you. And it came from behind him so that he didn't actually see God's face. Not because God was trying to hide his face, but because God was trying to protect Moses. Because it would have killed him. That's how awesome God is. Okay? So you've got that. That's Old Testament. You come into the New Testament and God says, I'm actually going to put my glory on the inside of you. So we've moved from you're not even allowed to look at it and you're going to have to turn your back to I'm going to make it live in you. The same power, the same glory. What is God's glory? It's all of his goodness. We then move on to this. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he didn't even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? So he's saying, these are incredible things. He's put his glory on the inside of us. The same spirit, the same power that conquered the grave lives in me, as Hillsong sing it for us very kindly. He's saying he didn't even spare his own son. He was willing to see, God was willing to see his son, Jesus, sacrificed on a cross in order to win us back. Well, isn't he going to give us everything else as well? I mean, if he's given us the very best thing, he's going to give us the other things. Right? That's the, that's the logic Paul's, Paul's using. It says, who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? So I don't care what anyone else is saying about you. Who are they to accuse you? You have been handpicked by God and said, I want that one. They're going to become my son. They're going to become my daughter. They're coming into my family. They are going to have full airship if there was such a thing. Everything I've got is yours. If you remember the parable of the prodigal son in the book of Luke, chapter 15, you have the bit where the older brother slightly gets the ache that the younger brother is being celebrated. And the dad says to him, son, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. And that is what God says. Everything God has is ours. We just have some limitations at the moment because the the world isn't how God wants it to be. So he says, God has chosen you for his own. Who can condemn you? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. So whatever your opinion is, 
of yourself if it doesn't line up with the fact that the creator of the universe has handpicked you to come in his family, then you need to change your thinking. And you need to stop listening to magazines and to popular culture that tells you you just don't measure up. By all means, look after your body. By all means, keep fit, keep well, eat reasonably well, all those things. Of course, do all those things. But do them from a place of freedom of knowing you're okay as you are. Because he says you're okay as you are. And you've been handpicked. And he has put the very best of everything he has right into your heart. He can't get closer to you if he tried. So if you're not feeling close to God right now, then he hasn't gone anywhere. If you've said you're yes to Jesus and he's living on the inside of you, all you need to do is turn your attention towards that. He hasn't gone anywhere. What do you think you could do that means he would leave you? I don't know how bad you're thinking of doing something, how bad that thing is you're thinking of doing. He's not going anywhere. I don't care how many times you have said you will give up those addictions. I don't know how exactly how deep that pit of grief you might be in. But he hasn't gone anywhere. And he's as close to you as he can possibly be. And the way he can get the closest is to come and live on the inside of us. And Paul describes this as wonderful, wonderful news. So he goes on to say this. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. For us. He died for us. And he was raised to life again for us. And he is sitting in the place of honour at God's right hand. We asked last week or the week before, where, where are they all? God's in heaven. Jesus sat at the right hand. Holy Spirit everywhere. What's Jesus doing? He's pleading for us. Not because God needs people to beg. It's not that kind of pleading. But Jesus is actually right now, right this second, in heaven praying for you. That's better even than our prayer tree. And our prayer tree is pretty good and sees some pretty incredible results. You've got Jesus praying for you right now. He obviously thinks you need it. That's all I can say. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted, hungry or are destitute, in danger or threatened with death? No, no. Despite all these things overwhelming victory is ours. It's ours through Christ who loved us. We are on the winning side. If you said yes to Jesus, no matter what you go through, no matter what we face, we are on the winning side. This is incredible news. This is what we have been given. So let me ask you this question. How would you feel if your children were scared of you? What about if you did loads for them, you loved them unconditionally, gave them every opportunity, gave them your position, your authority, you promised them that they could have everything that you have. You gave them even your way of thinking. You gave them extraordinary power. And then they backed off. I don't know about you, honestly, I would be really hurt. And it's totally nonsensical. That is not normal behavior. That is damaged behavior. In Jeremiah, another of the books in the Old Testament, God says this, I have loved you. This is you. You can put your name in. I have loved 
with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. Unfailing kindness. A kindness towards you that is unfailing. It will never fail. God's kindness doesn't get a puncture. Hashtag. God's kindness doesn't get a puncture. God's kindness doesn't need the AA. God's kindness is utterly consistent and unfailing. His kindness towards you right now is not even dependent on how much you've prayed this week, how much of the Bible you've read this week, how many Hail Marys or whatever else it is that you might try and do. It's not based on us because we might boast. No, it's a total gift, says Paul. Again, same bloke. He got it. So the point is this. There is no need for us to fear when it comes to the Holy Spirit. That fear that leads to control, we can let some of that go. Unless that's Jesus. Don't pass it to me. We don't need to hold on to that sense of control. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. Is he already? But we're going to invite him specifically to come in just a moment. There are a few things that you might know about what it feels like to encounter the Holy Spirit. So this is just a little bit of a list. But some of these things you may have felt and not even realizing, realized you're experiencing the Holy Spirit. The reason I'm saying this is because if rivers of living water are going to flow out of us, we've got to get used to being wet. And we've got to recognize the trickle from the tap to be able to turn the tap on more. Come on, roll with me. This is deep. Okay, so we've got to get used to being wet. We've got to get used to what does this feel like? Now, sometimes the Holy Spirit can move and you feel absolutely nothing. It's not based on feelings, but feelings do matter. Feelings really matter. I know every single day that I'm absolutely devoted to, adore, and love Nick. I don't necessarily feel those things every day. But it would be a bit weird if I hadn't felt anything towards Nick in the last week, year, 10 years. <laughs> that would just be strange, right? It's the same with God. So you may feel these things. You may feel a tingle. You may shake. You may cry. First time I ever experienced God, I felt warm and sleepy. I didn't even realize it was the Holy Spirit. I thought I was just feeling warm and sleepy. You might experience electricity. You might feel really weak and fall over. Someone was telling me after the first service, that was one of their first encounters with God. They went face first. And they were absolutely fine. You might shout, call something out. You might go out, like go out, not go out, not out, out. Like <laughs> go out for the count, like a really deep sleep. That sort of go out. That happens too. Another one is, sometimes I've never had this, but has anyone, ever, anyone here ever smelt the fragrance of the Holy Spirit? Has anyone? A few of you have. Oh, dealing with envy right now. That's okay. Whenever you're ready, God. That's fine. I think it smells a lot like a Big Mac. But anyway, <laughs> we digress ever so slightly. So what we're going to do is, and we've purposely set the chairs slightly back today, we would love to invite you up and come and we want to pray for you. So it's really simple. If you would like more of the Holy Spirit, want to feel more of the Holy Spirit, 
If you would like a fresh encounter in some way, then we're simply going to invite you up. People may pray for you, they may not. The coming up is really, it's like a stepping out of your comfort zone. It's a letting go of the control of I like it in my seat. I can hold on in front, I can hold on at the side. It's just a letting go thing. There's nothing magical about the front. This thing where people say there's more anointing at the front, it's rubbish. There's anointing in the toilets in here, which is great. So do come on up. Just start coming up. We're going to start praying for you. Chris is just going to come and play. Please come on up. Let's stand and I'll pray for you. Holy Spirit's definitely already here. Chris is tuning his guitar. (laughs) We love you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence here. You will never feel the Holy Spirit by straining, by striving, but just a yielding, just a a dropping of the shoulders, a relaxing of the toil and the strife. Come, Holy Spirit. More of your, more of you, Holy Spirit. More, 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 Lord. Thank you, God. Just get a sense that, that God wants to heal some broken hearts, that both physically and kind of metaphorically. So as we, as we wait on him, if you've got a heart condition or anything like that this morning, I just think God wants to heal that. God wants to bring, make your heart beat in time again like it should, where it's gone out of rhythm or out of sync. God wants to bring a straight rhythm to that. And then I think there are people here who have, this week have had a news that news that's left them yeah broken hearted devastated and God wants to heal that wound as well he says I'm here come into my arms come into my arms thank you God I'm your loving dad I've got this I've got your back don't worry about anyone praying for you or otherwise just Stay peaceful in front of him. Just to encourage you, encourage each other. If in some way you have experienced in some physical way, if you've experienced the Holy Spirit at all this morning, stroke this afternoon, you mind just putting your hand up? I'm not going to ask you any questions. We can just put your hand up to encourage other people. It's a number of people. Father, we thank you. You long for encounter with us. We don't live 
for the encounter, trying to get from mountaintop to mountaintop. That's, that's not what it's about. Holy Spirit, thank you for what you've been doing here. I pray the encounters won't stop just because we need to finish. But they'll carry on throughout this week. pray for encounters for anyone who comes in and uses this warehouse this week. We pray for encounters for where we all go into our workplaces, wherever we go. We pray there'll be encounters this week. Thank you, God. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.